LSU has been dealing with some depth issues in spring practice. LSU is dealing with a whole mess of injuries to starters as we go through spring practice. But it's nothing to worry about. You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Plus, we are on YouTube as well. Check us out on the road. Plug us into your, your car. Listen on the road. And you can also pull it up on your smart TV, on your smartphone, and watch on YouTube at Locked on LSU. My name is Caroline Fenton. I am your host, as I am every day. You can find me on Twitter at CarolineFenton1. Always appreciate you for being here. Appreciate you liking, commenting, subscribing, reviewing. All that good stuff. Always appreciate you for making Locked in LSU your first listen every day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Well, LSU was back out on the practice field yesterday. They hit the practice field on Tuesday. They started spring practice like a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago on March 9th was day one. And then Brian Kelly explained after that first day, you know, we're starting at March 9th and 10th and picking back up a week and a half later for spring break. And it also allowed for more off the field practice time watching film, um, you know, learning the playbook, sitting down at the desk and, and learning schemes, things like that. So having that break in the middle allowed for more time for off the field learning. So LSU back out on the practice practice field yesterday. They'll be back out tomorrow on Thursday. They'll be back Saturday and then pro day a week from Wednesday on March 29th. So we'll keep you updated with all the pro day stuff. We'll shift from LSU to the NFL in the next couple of weeks, but I want to focus on spring ball for now, because I think there was some good and bad from spring practice. I think there were some encouraging things and maybe some things that stood out to you that you thought, Oh no, like we're in, in horrible shape, but I'm here to talk you off a ledge because I am one of those people throughout my entire life as a, football fan, college football, NFL, you know, sports in general. My number one fear is injuries. And I think that's fair because I think that is the the one thing that can stand behind a really outstanding team from, you know, accomplishing their goals or winning a championship and it's injuries. So I hear injuries, I hear injury bug. And I just, I, I have a wash of dread come over me. And I think that's fair. You probably feel the same exact way, understanding that your team might be an injury or two away from being elite versus uh, barely making a bowl game. And maybe it's not that dramatic, but that's kind of how I view it. And we heard a lot about the injuries, both on day one of spring practice and also back at it this week on spring practice. Brian Kelly reported on on some of the injuries and just the sheer number of injuries this team is faced in spring practice. This was Brian Kelly. We had nine guys out today that factor into our two deep and significant playing time. Eight of the nine will be back when we begin our summer program in the first week in June. The ninth is Armani, Armani Goodwin, who won't be back until camp starts. So they're all in great position. They're all doing well. They're all moving actively. Um, so, you know, we're in the middle of March. 
You know, these guys are, you know, on schedule to be full go, doing everything, you know, by the time we come back, um, you know, in the first week in June. So nine guys not participating in spring practice. And we knew about Armani Goodwin. That's something that we talked about last week. Armani Goodwin is out with a knee injury. He missed the end of the regular season. Josh Williams out of that same running back room is also out with an injury. He had knee surgery at the end of the regular season. He missed the Citrus Bowl. But as Brian Kelly reported during um, after the first day of spring practice, Brian Kelly reported that Josh Williams should be back for spring pra- for uh, for summer ball. So, you know, it's while you look at numbers and if you look at reports from spring practice, you might be shocked by the just sheer numbers that are there or maybe aren't there. The lack of, of depth at so many positions that is available on the field and also just the amount of players that aren't available in spring practice. Nine is a pretty massive number. Um you may be shocked and alarmed and maybe a little bit worried by that. And me coming from the most anti-injury person ever who literally lies awake at night, fearful of injuries coming forward or are happening to my team. It's going to be okay. It's okay. It's injuries now that are going to be recovered later. You know, Josh Williams, Armani Goodwin, and then Mason Smith is another one that we knew was going to be out in spring practice as he recovers from an ACL tear. Makai Wingo is another one. Mason Taylor, all guys that are either getting over surgeries or nagging injuries or whatever it might be. Those guys don't need to be in spring practice. I think spring practice can be incredibly invaluable experience. It knocks that rust off. It gets you ready back in football shape, back in football form, physically and mentally. But those guys don't need to be in spring practice. I'd much rather these guys sit out as long as they possibly can when it doesn't matter so they can be 100% ready to go for when it does matter. You know, in, in summer practice, whenever you're really getting down into the nitty gritty. And then, of course, for the beginning of the season as well. So I know that this right now feels like the most important thing in the world is, is spring practice because we're getting back into football and it's all of our focus is getting into football. But also remember that what LSU is experiencing now in terms of depth problems, those problems are not going to persist as time goes on. Like Brian Kelly said, eight of those nine players are going to be available in the very near future. The only other one that we don't know about for sure is Armani Goodwin. And we already have a timetable on that. Armani Goodwin won't be back until much later in in summer practice. Now, I don't know in that number of nine, I don't know that Brian Kelly said without free from practice. I don't know if John Emery was looped into that nine, that group of nine. I tried to make a list of as many players that I knew were going to be out, but I don't know if John Emery is counted in that. Um, Brian Kelly did mention at the beginning of spring practice on March 9th, the very first day of spring practice, he mentioned that John Emery's number one focus right now is academics. Once he gets those grades up, then they'll reevaluate football. So I don't know if he's counting John Emery in there, but if not, add him to the list of players that are not going to be available. However, he's one of those players that's not available that doesn't have a finish line. It doesn't have a definitive date that he will be back. These injuries, you know, okay, you know, ACL tear takes XYZ number of days or this surgery we expect to be 100% fully recovered by May. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there for an example. But that's the one that's a little bit of a wild card there. And I'm not sure if he is being counted for right now. That's kind of up in the air. But um, shout out to Glenn West of Go247 Sports. I relied a lot on his practice notes. I don't live in Baton Rouge. I don't have 
I'm not able to get to Baton Rouge very much. I live in Nashville. I, I uh, host a radio show in Nashville, so I'm not able to make it to Baton Rouge for spring practice. Um, but per Glenn West notes in, in practice, at least on Tuesday, um, of course, the repeat offenders are Monty Goodwin, Josh Williams, Mason Smith, Mackay Wingo, uh, Mason Taylor. Those guys were out. We expected that. Uh, Miles Frazier is another one that was out of practice on Tuesday. Now, per Glenn, Glenn's notes, there were only six legitimate offensive linemen that were available in spring practice. That concerns me a little bit, um, but you're going to get Miles Frazier back if I'm assuming that, that Brian Kelly put Miles Frazier in that group of nine players that aren't available. I would assume that he is. So that timeline looks promising. And then also keep in mind, Zaylance heard the five-star left tackle from Neville. He uh, he will eventually be joining the mix. He chose to not enroll early, so you'll get him into the mix. I'm not sure if they're looking at Zaylance Heard to be a day-one starter, but he absolutely is a depth piece there. And then you're looking at also at Mason Lunsford, the transfer from Maryland, to add you know immediate day-one starting caliber offensive line play whenever Mason Lunsford makes his way to Baton Rouge. So you have players in the mix that are going to be kind of filling these empty spaces. The offensive line was really part of Glenn's notes. There were only six guys out there. That made me a little bit concerned, but also understanding that you're going to get some of that depth back as well. So my message to you right now, don't be overly alarmed by the sheer number of injuries. It sounds alarming. It sounds bad. But the outlook, at least, is positive. Anything can happen. Knock on wood. You can have setbacks. You can re-injure things. Knock on all the wood. But at least for now, it seems like it's a positive outlook. Let some of the young guys get the rotation. Let some of the guys that are transferring in that maybe didn't get a whole lot of experience in their last stop as a transfer start to make themselves known and make a name for themselves in practice and then those starters come back and you're going to have a lot more competition as we get closer to the beginning of the season so I would say like weirdly sometimes injuries open up it can be uh can be the best thing can almost have like the weirdest silver lining because it opens up opportunities for other guys at this point in the season when it's October and we're talking about injuries much different story in March you at least have time and you have the opportunity available to some of these younger guys or guys new to the program, whether that's recruit or transfers, that can start to get acclimated and really make themselves known. So it's all going to be okay. So that was the bad thing with injuries, but it's really going to be okay. I think the good thing follows up a point that I made the last time we discussed spring practice and the last time that Brian Kelly spoke with the media. And it's about the position that LSU football is in now versus where they were this time last season. And if you're worried about LSU football this season, then keep listening because it's going to make you feel a whole heck of a lot better. We'll get into that coming up next. But before we do that, I want to tell you about FanDuel. FanDuel is my personal favorite sports book, and the tournament is heating up. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it is super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. And now that we're getting to the Sweet 16 and things are heating up in March Madness, 
it's the best time to download FanDuel because there are so many options for things for you to wager on on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You can do player props, so you can do player points, rebounds, assists, etc. Things will always get crazy. We know March is all about madness. So if you think there's going to be total and complete madness on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, the rest of the tournament games this week, then get to FanDuel. Bet on some player props, bet on the money line, and even combine those bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Well, thanks again for making Locked in LSU your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. LSU back out on the practice field. They were there on Tuesday. They'll be back on Thursday and then again on Saturday. And of course, I will have all of your updates as soon as I can possibly get them to you on the podcast. Check us out on your preferred podcast platform. Check us out on YouTube. But I think that injuries right now, while they may seem like the end of the world, I promise you it's not. This team is going to be okay. If anything, it weirdly is a good thing to get some of these young guys opportunity to uh, to get some reps. For example, you know, Josh Williams and Armani Goodwin, both running backs, they both are recovering from knee surgeries. Well, that gives Trey Holly and Noah Kane, Trey Holly, an incoming freshman in the 2023 recruiting class, and Noah Kane, who was transferred from Penn State this past season, that gives them time to get a majority of the reps at the running back position, specifically Trey Holly. I mean, he's brand new to football. I mean, he's an early enrollee in the 2023 class, brand new to college football, rather, not brand new to football. So this gives him such a wonderful opportunity to come in and get acclimated and get some serious reps while Josh Williams and Armani Goodwin are gone. I'm never going to say that injuries are a good thing, but it's the weird silver lining that we're looking at this early in the season. I think the other good thing, though, is looking at this program in the Brian Kelly era from a, whoa, just dropped my pen, from a macro point of view. Let's step back 450 feet and look at this program from where we were this time last year to this time this year. And that's something that we discussed this past week when Brian Kelly was talking about the culture, when he was talking about some of the growing pains that he experienced in year one. And a lot of that had to do with establishing the culture. A lot of that had to do with teaching and coaching these players what the expectations were, coaching them how to practice and what those what practice was going to look like under this new regime, Brian Kelly had to instill, almost reteach basic fundamentals of, uh, of football, and not in an X's and O's standpoint, but just uh, the basics of this is how you're going to show up. This is the attitude that you're going to have. This is the decorum that you will display and practice every single day. This is what the expectations are for LSU football now that I'm in charge. And that's not really easy to do. It's not. But Brian Kelly started it last year. To the point that I made last week and the point that I'll reiterate right now is it's a lot easier to do that in year two. It's a lot easier to do that in year three, four, five, six, seven than it was in the previous years. Because now you've got this culture on lock. You've got this foundation that's built and it gets that much easier every single year. I mean, look at all Georgia, for example. Let's use Kirby Smart for an example. 
it, it, I mean, the Georgia Bulldogs weren't the big, bad Georgia Bulldogs that we know of now in the entirety of Kirby Smart's career as the head coach at the University of Georgia. It takes time to implement culture. It takes time to get your guys in the program. But once you do that, well, then look at Georgia now. It's the same kind of thing. It's a slow build. It takes time. You're not going to do it overnight. However, it gets easier every single year. I think the second part of that is it's beyond just culture. I think we use the word culture a lot in sports. Like, what does that really mean? Um, expectations is one of them. But I also think that there's a physical element to that as well. That The culture isn't just, this is the mission statement that we read every day. The culture isn't just, we are going to play 100%. I'll give all our might all the way through the whistle. Those are all elements of it. Like we're going to play tough. We're going to play hard. Those are all elements of culture. But I think that almost has a trickle down effect, not just mentally, like how, how you mentally play the game, but also how you physically play the game as well. It's not just the expectations of I'm going to show up with this attitude every day. It's the expectations of if I'm not the best on this football team, if I'm not giving, you know, 100% in the weight room, if I'm not, you know, listening to the nutritionists, if I'm not putting in the work in the, in the gym, in the weight room, on the field, in every single aspect of my life, you know, that's, and I'm not going to have a spot on this football team. That also is culture and it shows up on the football field. And Brian Kelly kind of explains what I mean by that, that it's not just a mental thing. Culture is a physical thing as well. Coach, what would your analytics tell you about the guys that were with you at this time last year, where they're at now, strength and conditioning wise, and do do you like where they're at? Oh yeah, it's it's quite different. Um, I can give you a, a couple of um, you know pieces of information. Last well, not this past Friday, but the Friday before we left. Um, you know, we had uh, nine players run 20 miles uh, an hour or more. Um, we only had one um, at that second practice uh, the year before. Um, so that tells us a little bit about our speed and strength, um, you know, being much more deeper within our entire team. Um, I think we've looked at all of our numbers and it's pretty clear that, you know, our football team is, is bigger, faster, stronger. Now you've got to be able to, to translate that as well. What we're looking for is what you mentioned. We want to be physically stronger, faster, bigger, faster, stronger as a team. And we are. I mean, I think that that's huge. I think that just looking at, that statistic alone, that last year only one player ran at that rate, 20 miles an hour, last year. And then they made these changes under Brian Kelly. They changed the way that they, you know, eat. They changed the way that they lift. They changed everything off the field. And that contributes to, you, you see it physically on the field. You see the way that they now push themselves even further. It's the ability and it's the drive to be able to get there. That one year ago, you just had one player that was able to do that. Now you have eight. Just that alone over one year, it's the smallest thing that could pay, play the, pay the biggest dividends. And I think it's showing that the process is working. Everything. 
all of it. Culture, which is an umbrella over so many different factors of a football program, that it's working. It's working off the field and it's working on the field. And I think that that should be encouraging. I would be remiss to point out that it also needs to come to fruition on the football field when it matters. <laughs> it needs to come to fruition on the field on a Saturday in the fall. You need to see it show up on the scoreboard. You need to see it, you know, when you play a full 60 minutes. I mean, this team really struggled to do, at least in the first half of the season last year. They were second half team. They looked awful in some of the first halves of the games they played. But it, it, that's when it really matters. You need to see it come to fruition. But we won't know that. We won't see that for another six months. What we can take away is the little bits and pieces that we are shown in the offseason. The breadcrumbs of spring practice, if you will. And it, the breadcrumbs are showing me it's at least going in the right direction. And I think that alone should be encouraging. It is a Mailbag Wednesday. We will get into your questions coming up next. Well, happy Mailbag Wednesday, everybody. I appreciate all of you for sending your questions in. I try and pick a variety of different questions, different topics, things like that, you know, whatever the hot button topic issues are. I try to touch on those. So continue to send those in. You can send them on via YouTube. Um, Twitter. You can tweet me at Caroline Fenton one. You can DM me at Caroline Fenton one. I'll also be available on the locked on LSU Twitter at locked on LSU. You can send those questions in or comment them below. Thank you to everybody who sends in those mailbag questions. But first let's get to this because I haven't talked about basketball. I haven't talked about hoops. It is March. The women's team, obviously balling out heading to the sweet 16. I do want to touch on that this week, but this is a question specifically about the men's team. One person asks, in honor of March Madness, happy March Madness, everybody. Happy Sweet 16. Do you think LSU will ever be in the Final Four? Um, Yeah. I mean, like, why not? Like, I, I, ever again in the, you know, in the future, in the entirety of the world of college basketball? Like, yeah. Like, if you're going to ask me, do you think that this will ever happen versus the field? I'll take, yeah, it'll, it will happen eventually at some point. Um. Now, when will it happen? That's that's the question. This team doesn't look like, did not look like a team that was equipped to make any sort of run in March Madness, did not look like it would make any sort of run in the NCAA tournament, wasn't even poised to make a run in the SEC tournament, even though they did beat Georgia in the first round. Um, this wasn't a very good basketball team this year. So I would say let's taper our expectations and let's look at this basketball team and not from a, a million foot view, which is what I think, we're now looking at with a final four berth, potentially. Like, this team is nowhere near that. Maybe let's start asking these incremental questions to kind of match with some incremental goals. Can LSU be a top five team in the SEC within the next couple of years? I think that's a realistic goal. Maybe next year. Can LSU be a top five team in the SEC next year? The SEC was the most competitive conference in all of college basketball this past year. The ACC sucked. Um, you know, the Pac-12 had a couple solid teams, Arizona, Arizona State, but beyond that, like UCLA also, duh. Um, but the SEC from top to bottom was the best and most competitive conference in college basketball this year. So that'd be a tall task. But Matt McMahon was hired at LSU to do just that, to take a program that looked like it was a little bit in shambles, a little bit, um, and then turn it around to eventually become a competitor. Again, those things don't happen overnight. Those things aren't going to change in one year. But can you continue to improve year over year? 
I do think LSU could end up in a Final Four. I mean, why not? Crazy things happen in March Madness. I wouldn't have thought Fairleigh Dickinson would have beaten Purdue, but look where we are. But also, I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Let's continue to recruit well. Let's, you know, maybe win a couple more than two conference games every year. And then we will have the discussion about March Madness and have the discussion about the Final Four. But where this program is right right now, where it's at at the moment, um, let's taper the expectations. It's going to be a long time, but why not? Sure. Glass half full. Woo. Second question that I get is who do you think will be the biggest wild card for LSU football this season? I love this question because I think that the word wild card could be interpreted so many different ways. The way that I view a wild card, or at least the way that I'm going to answer this question, is maybe who do you think could be poised for a breakout season that a lot of people aren't really talking about right now? Um, I think that's that's a fair definition of wild card. You know, of course, your wild card is always going to be your quarterback. If you view wild card as um, like the most important, like your your season hinges on this person, um, that's I think going to be your quarterback. But I'll answer it this way. The player that I the play I'll do offense and defense because it's way too difficult or it's way too difficult to choose just one. The players that I think could be poised for breakout seasons that nobody's really talking about or nobody's really expecting, and this is literally simply based on my interpretation of it, my evaluation of these players, the history of these players. Um, offensively, I I think it could be Noah Kane, honestly. Noah Kane transfers in from Penn State last year, enters a running back room that had bodies but wasn't super, super deep. Like, it didn't have a, a clear starter. So Noah Kane walks into this running back room. I think he got better and better throughout the season. Um, he has one year underneath him, and he's now going into this upcoming season. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Noah Kane really improve a lot from last year to see a lot more touches than he had last year. I also don't think that it's going to hurt him that the status of John Emery is up in the air, that he could be available or not available for, you know, the foreseeable future, um, that Armani Goodwin isn't going to be back for the next couple of months. Um, so he's going to get the opportunity to see, to get a lot of work, um, to see a whole lot of reps, and we'll see with Noah Kane what he can do with a year under his belt at LSU and an offseason where he's the veteran guy in the running back room. Offensively, I think it could be Noah Kane. If I want to throw in an honorable mention, maybe Emory Jones on the offensive line. I don't mention Will Campbell because I think that we already know how good Will Campbell is. And we're all already talking about Will Campbell. He was a true freshman starting at left tackle and was a baller doing it. So maybe Emory Jones really emerges on that right side. But, you know, looking at more kind of skilled players, I would say um, Noah Kane is on my list. Defensively, I'm looking at Savion Jones. That's a player whose, whose role this season I have been very intrigued by ever since the, the conclusion of last season. You know, this defensive line is is open. It's completely open. You know, B.J. Ojolari leaves, enters the NFL draft. That Jack linebacker position is open. I don't know if Brian Kelly or Matt House views Savion Jones as a candidate to fill that position. But you're going to see some guys start to almost, you know, 
try out for that role, which might leave a position on the off, or excuse me, the defensive line open. Maybe Ovia Gufo takes over that Jack linebacker position full time. Well, there's a position on the defensive line that could be open for a guy like Savion Jones. Entering his third year, he's gotten more and more work over time in the first couple of years. Last year, um, I believe he played in 12 games last year. I don't have his stats up in front of me. He didn't start very much. Um, but I think that he's one of those guys that's silently putting in the work behind the scenes. And you're going to start to see that come to fruition. And we're not really talking a ton about him. Um, rightfully so, we're talking about a lot of these transfers. Braden Swinson from Oregon. Jalen Lee from Florida. Paris Shand from Arizona. Of course, Ovia Gufo, like I just mentioned, from Texas. But I think Savion Jones has been a guy that has been you know, homegrown from the bottom up at LSU that could really stand out this year as there are some open roles on the defensive line. But good question, because it really made me think. It really made me think, and I tried to be a little bit different with it. So we will see how that will come to fruition, but that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen today. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything that you need to know on and off the court. Plus, you can hear from big-name experts, coaches, players, and so many more throughout the college basketball landscapes. Lockdown College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.